dedicated to each and every one of you who appreciate a great glass of wine. You know what I mean? It's Monday. Let's raise a glass to the beginning of another week. It's time to unscrew, uncork, or saber a bottle. And let's begin exploring the wine glass. A few months ago, I took the drive down to Los Angeles to attend the IEEM conference, Simply Italian Great Wines. Today, I am sharing the recording of the masterclass about FederDoc. This consortio is a voluntary consortia national confederation for the protection of the Italian wine designations and was established in 1979. The conversation highlights the traceability and regulation of Italian DOC wines with a focus on Francia Corta DOC. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. Did you know you can do it right now while you're listening? It really is the best way to support the show. Don't forget to add your email address to the website to keep up on all things exploring the wine glass. Slancha. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Budd, a UC Davis winemaking program, Spanish wine scholar, someday service, champagne and Cote de Ron specialist, and a WSET level two graduate. You can find Exploring the Wine Glass on all the socials, as well as your favorite podcast catchers. If you haven't subscribed yet, now's the perfect time to swipe, subscribe, rate, and review. Stay in the know about all things wine by visiting my website, exploringthewineglass.com. I promise I'll never tell you what to drink, but I'll always share what's in my glass. Uh, my name is Riccardo Ricci-Curvastro. I'm the former president of FederDoc. So uh, I've been serving as the president of FederDoc for uh, 24 years. Then this year I was finally able to uh, retire as a president, but I was requested by the Federation, by the Consortium, to remain as their foreign ambassador or foreign minister. I don't know what, what I'm doing here, exactly. <laughs> I'm taking care of the foreign affairs in some way. So all what is the promotion of the uh, appellations that we have uh, around the world and of course all the duties that we have in Bruxelles due to the fact that most of the legislation uh, on wine is not coming from uh, Rome, but it's coming from Bruxelles, where all the main decisions are taken. So, I will, uh, as usual, uh, give you a presentation of the wine uh, system in, uh, uh, in our country and in Europe, but focusing on something that might be a little bit more new in some way for you, I mean, you are all familiar with the uh, Italian uh, uh, and European pyramid of uh, uh, Italian quality. Pyramid, uh, it's made, uh, it's giving uh, the different, uh, the different appellations are creating. I will not focus on that. Anyway, if you are not familiar with the pyramid, you will be able to get the presentation uh, later on. Uh, I don't want to keep it too long also because we have been talking a few times about this matter. You have at the bottom the IGP wines, then you have the, uh, the DOP. Yes, uh, there is it. I lost my. Okay, there is a. Uh, they, they have been. Uh, 
concreted. That's why DOP uh, at the top of the pyramid. And finally, what is interesting for you is that we don't use uh, in Italy the new uh, definition. So we don't call uh, the wines that are at the top of the pyramid DOP, denomination of origin, the protected denomination of origin, but we still call them DOC and DOCG, that is the formal system. Uh, this happens also for the French, they are still using the AOC, the Appellation de Regime Controle. Why we don't use the new system? We don't use it because most of the uh, people, the consumers around the world, are familiar with the old system. Uh, but it's good to, uh, for you to know that behind the old system, we have now a common system that is the pyramid that is behind uh, the image. Uh, one of the main matters uh, that I want to focus on today is uh, sustainability. I'm uh, quite sure that being in California, this is something that you're familiar with, or at least I'm uh, quite sure that Sustainability is on any uh, American newspaper, but uh, probably in California more than in the other ones, uh, as one of the keywords on the economical pages and not only. Uh, for Europe, uh, sustainability is becoming one of the uh, goals or the focus for the next future. We have an European uh, Green Deal project that is uh, requiring us to uh, reach, uh, by the, the 2030, a reduction of the greenhouse gas emission about uh, for 55%. This is a huge effort in order to uh, try to achieve uh, goals that were looking impossible to reach, but we consider them uh, as approachable. Uh, by the way, um, we have now uh, a project that is uh, called uh, the New York Plan that is called Farm to Fork, and this program is touching different aspects of the, of the production, and each state is called to create its own Farm to Fork program. Uh, this is happening because it's uh, of uh, all evidence that what a farmer in Sweden has to do uh, is completely different from what a farmer in Italy or in Malta on the Malta island, but it's also in Europe, uh, has to do because the climate is different. We cannot imagine to have uh, a unique program. Each program has to be tailored on the local uh, climate, the local situation, the local agriculture. Uh, we, as Italians, we have been uh, started working on these matters uh, well before the Green Deal was uh, was uh, approved, and uh, I can uh, I can say that uh, we have been uh, thinking about an approach for viticulture that could be preserving the future uh, since 2015. Now, so it's. Uh, quite a, a long time of work, uh, looking for suitable tools for uh, reducing our impact on the world and uh, also uh, get the goals that the consumers uh, might request when buying a bottle of wine. So, a 
along with Gambarroso, uh, Peter Docker has been uh, created Equalitas. Equalitas is a standard, a nationwide standard, uh, that is covering all the matters of the sustainability on the three pillars. So environmental pillar, social pillar, and economical pillar. Uh, this is important because uh, even if uh, when we say sustainability, most of times we are focusing on the environmental questions. Uh, it is not true that all the markets are focusing on that. Uh, just to give you an idea, if I talk about sustainability with a Canadian guy, or if I talk about sustainability with a Scandinavian people, a person, uh, his focus will be probably more on the social pillar compared to what is uh, uh, the environmental one. Why? because they are more concerned about uh, questions uh, uh, related with the labor uh, and uh, proper employment of people. So people should be uh, properly paid, properly safe during their work, uh, properly trained, uh, and possibly also happy about what they are doing. A great resignation seems to be a problem not only in the States, but it's a problem all over the world. People have been discovering that we have to work, but we should be working in better conditions. And uh, better conditions means not only safety, of course, but it's also I feel good when I go working. Uh, because we have to, but it's better if we can do that smiling instead of just have to uh, work. Uh, the Italian Ministry, uh, in the meanwhile, has been uh, creating the first uh, uh, sustainability standard this year, so it was launched in 2022. Uh, it's interesting because we are the first country to approach sustainability on viticulture with a public uh, standard. Of course, the public standard is uh, uh, an entry level. Uh, while equality has much more requirements, but it's uh, uh, anyway something that we uh, consider the good approach. Sustainability uh, is uh, something that is uh, continuously developing. It's developing from the side of the consumers. Our knowledge about sustainability is increasing, so our request about sustainability. <laughs> On the other side, science, uh, different opportunities, new programs are giving to the producers other opportunities. Uh, what is uh, today uh, in uh, sustainability certification like Equalitas, just to give you an idea on the social, on the environmental pillar, you have carbon footprint calculation, water footprint calculation, biodiversity of the soil, organic or not organic. You might not be organic, uh, you might decide not to be an organic estate, but you have to demonstrate that you are applying systems to reduce your uh, chemical impact uh, while farming. And uh, again, quality of the air, all these uh, uh, tools are calculated each two years, and you have to demonstrate that you are calculating that uh, and improving that. After two years, your carbon footprint is going to be uh, worse than what it was before. You probably made a mistake. There is something that is not working in your in your system. Uh, second pillar is the social pillar. I already mentioned all what is connected with labor, but it's also connected to the uh, 
social relationship that a company, a wine company, should have with the community. Uh, just to give you an idea, you're open to uh, your community. What are you doing for the community, for helping your community? That can be training the, the children in the schools to uh, helping uh, people, homeless people, or helping people that is in prison, whatever you do for uh, social matters. And finally, the economical pillar. Uh, all these things uh, might be done only if uh, you have uh, a proper income, otherwise you invest money in something that you cannot pay for. Uh, this is the first matter, so sustainability. The second one, it's related with something that probably you don't see every day, but uh, it's also very important for us. It is, this is the system of verification and controls that we have behind our um, wines showing an appellation, so DOCG, DOC, or IGT. The uh, Italian system uh, is uh, based on uh, traceability uh, system, but it's also something that go back to 2000 when uh, uh, with the common uh, market policy on uh, common organization of the wine market, we decided that we had to give a guarantee to the consumers about the origin. And when we say a guarantee about the origin, we're talking about not only the grape is coming from that vineyard, but as you know, in the frame of the rules of each appellation, we write many other things. So it should be at least 11 degrees. It should be at least uh, 6.5 grams of acidity and so on. Whatever it is written should be guaranteed to the consumer. So our system is actually working on, uh, on uh, this uh, idea in order to achieve a complete uh, traceability of all the wines we uh, produce and of course this means giving you the guarantee that when you buy a bottle of an Italian wine uh, showing an appellation, all what is written in the appellation is also in the bottle of your wine. Uh, this uh, system started in uh, 2001 uh, in Italy, uh, at that time where the, the producers through their consortium to uh, make controls, then in 2009 we decided that controls might be better uh, recognized by the, by the market if they were held by a third body. That's why we created, for example, Valor Italia, that it's a certification company that is certifying all the wines, but it's also a certification body. That means that the state is controlling its uh, uh, daily work in order to be sure that you have the proper guarantees. The control works uh, uh, in a very complicated, but at the same time simple way. Each document is centered in the system. Whatever we produce in terms of uh, notes of our work is centered in the system. For example, today I've been harvesting 10 tons of Chardonnay from the vineyard A or B or C, whatever it is, one of my vineyards. I produce a paper that it's uh, taking a note of these uh, grapes coming into, into the cellar. Uh, this uh, document is also getting into the system. So 100% of the documents are held by the system. Then we have inspections that are made in the vineyard, 
before the ripening season and during the, the harvesting season. Then we have controls in the cellar and finally also controls on the box. Uh, what are the inspections uh, checking? What is written on the papers? So I have uh, in my cellar 10 tons of uh, uh, Chardonnay coming from the vineyard A. These 10 tons uh, would give me uh, 65 hectoliters of uh, uh, Chardonnay wine. Where is the wine in this, uh, in this tank? Let's check the tank, the quantity is there. Uh, the wine that it's in is uh, definitely a Chardonnay and not a uh, Merlot, for example. Just a joke, of course. Uh, uh, you can understand that. <laughs> Must be also what is written on the papers. Uh, finally, at the end of the uh, production, each wine is uh, getting into uh, a control that is uh, both. Uh, physical and chemical uh, with analysis and organolytic. So there is a panel that is tasting the wine, saying yes, it tastes like Soave, uh, uh, it tastes like a Chianti Classic, or it tastes like what is in the application. Uh, the system, in terms of uh, a graphic description, is this one. Uh, we have uh, a huge uh, we created also a, a, a huge uh, computer program that is able to follow all these uh, uh, passages. So at the end, through the strip uh, label that you have on most of our bottles, all the DOCG have a strip banner on label, uh, a lot of the DOCG, when uh, you don't have the single label, you have a, a, a batch of production Lotto, through that number, you can also go back uh, into the system to the vineyard. Uh, what it means, we have a complete traceability of each bottle. By the way, that uh, stripe label, bundle of label that is on the neck of the bottles as a single number, it's more or less what happens to your car when uh, the plate is passing in front of police control, the policeman knows. And that that car belongs to you, that it's uh, probably carrying the insurance that is required by the law, that you never had a fine or you had a fine and it's still to be paid or whatever it is. I mean, it's the story of your car that is given by the plate. The story of our wines, it's written in that number and through that number you can get a complete traceability. Uh, why this is important? This is important because at the end uh, we model treasures and uh, each treasure has a uh, story. Uh, generally speaking, a nice story to be said, to be told. Thank you. If you have any questions, I'll be more than happy to answer to you. No one took Wow. <laughs> I did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Very strong. Very strong. Thank you. Thank you. Um, with all this, how do you really uh, find those and, and any, anyone who should have validity to what they're saying, you know, from Valor Italia or any of the names? In other words, sometimes there's a spectrum uh, question or whether. Thank you.
We trust the system. Uh, you trust the system. Uh, the question is if we can trust what it's on the label, what, what it's in the bottle, and on the side if the system is working. Is that the question? I mean, we, we trust the question. I saw your hands. Uh, we trust the system, and the system has a double level of uh, uh, checks. One is the one held by the uh, controller body, or Italia, or other ones. Uh, the second one is held also by the state through the uh, police uh, that is dedicated to this kind of controls. We have specialized uh, bodies uh, in, uh, in the Italian uh, Carabinieri police. Uh, uh, we have specialized bodies in the sanitary police and so on. So uh, it may always happen that the state arrive to check what has been done. So you have a double level. Of course, none is perfect, nothing is perfect, but generally speaking, I'm able to say that it's the most performant system in the world. Second question? Yes? I didn't uh, realize that Italy and France have decided to use the old designation. Is that by winery or is that... Uh... Uh, it's not compulsory to use the old ones, but um, practically uh, most of us are using the, the old ones, yes. Thank you. Yes, please, lady. This slide, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to sell room. It went through really fast. I was trying to read it. It said in the 2000s, you underwent, the sector underwent uh, the major wine change. Why was it the 2000s when I thought that the sector was already uh, in harmonious action? Like, why was there the reason? The reason for changing the system uh, at European level was that. Uh, that's difficult to explain to the Americans, but in some way you have to understand that Europe is growing peacefully. Uh, unless now we have a war that, that it's at, at our border. Uh, it means that Europe is uh, creating a common okay. system, not after a civil war, that's the, uh, it's referring to your country, or not just a war. Uh, we are becoming a nation, but in a peaceful way. Uh, this means that each one of us uh, is feeling that this system is the best one. Then, when we start to discuss a little bit more, we understand that we need common systems. This applies to everything. So, in that year, 2001, after five years of discussions, we arrived to a common system of operations that was taking care of what was happening before in France, Italy, Germany, wherever it was, that became the common frame for all of us. The reason for doing that was, let's make a little bit of order on our internal market, but the second reason was that the system is now open to any appellation in the world. Uh, this means that any uh, group of producers all over the world that has an appellation that is following the European rules may apply to Europe to protect its own appellation. Napa Valley is close to be an appellation uh, and it might be in the future be protected also by the European laws if they will apply to become an appellation. Is that, that's the answer. Just to let you understand for the moment, at the moment, uh, uh, Café of Colombia, it's an IGP, it's protected in Europe. 
Colombia um, Cafe. Uh, and we have around 60 appellations from China that are protected and so on. So many countries that don't have a, a, an appellation system are applying to Europe, to the, the common uh, list that we have in Europe in order to achieve their own appellations. It's interesting to uh, say that probably also Barossa Valley in Australia will soon begin uh, an appellation. And generally speaking, the Australians are those that are fighting at this European appellations and so on. Here's the last one. Okay. <laughs> you trust the system, the track, the wine breaks you brought in, fermented, barrel, water. Do you use blockchain technology to have an open ledger to do the same thing? No. Uh, generally speaking, blockchain is not necessary because each of these passages is already producing a document. And the document is entering in the Android percent documents that are held by the system. So at the end, it's the system that is working like a blockchain. You cannot change the document once it's in. It's more or less the same thing, but we don't call it a blockchain. It's a certification system. Okay, now uh, I'm changing a little bit my presentation. I will talk about myself and my family <laughs> and my history uh, through. Uh, uh, a presentation of the wines that are uh, being poured in your glass. I'm a producer from Franciacorta. My family has uh, a long heritage in uh, wine production. By the way, uh, we are arrived now at the 18th generation of the family uh, is in the only estate. That means, in terms of time, a little bit before Cristoforo Columbus arrived. <laughs> uh, so just to give you an idea of when it was happening. <laughs> Can I say Cristoforo Colombo in America now? This <laughs> can be dangerous, isn't it? <laughs> it's a little bit unpolite. <laughs> May I, I, I don't uh, consider possible to discuss now what was happening six centuries ago. Uh, I don't really understand this. Uh, idea that we have to cancel what has been happening. One of my ancestors was fighting in the crusade again against uh, the Muslims. This doesn't mean I'm fought for that. I must be guilty for that. But that's, that's it. I will close the argument anyway. Uh, this is the French Accorto region. We are in Lombardy, north of uh, uh, Italy, so in the middle of the north part of Italy. Uh, at the footsteps of the Alps, Franciacorta is a very small region. We are talking about only 16 miles west east and uh, <coughs> and uh, less than 10 north south. So it's a very small region. Um, it's a moronic region, so it has been created by the glaciers that engrave uh, the valley and the lake. You can see the lake over there. Uh, the lake is the Iseo Lake, uh, the vineyard facing the, the lake is one of my vineyards. Uh, I didn't mention, but each glass on, on the map is representing one of our uh, vineyards. And now, a word from our sponsor. Exploring the Wine Glass is brought to you by Dracina Wines. Dracina Wines is an artisan winery located in Paso Robles, California. They have been producing wine since 2013. Their first vintage began with one wine, their classic Cabernet Franc, which received a 91 in Wine Enthusiast. 
Since then, they have increased production as well as expanded their portfolio, have received many accolades, including multiple double gold medals and consistent 90-plus ratings. Visit their website, www.dracinawines.com, or use the link in the show notes to schedule a private tasting and to see their entire portfolio. Purchase your award-winning wine and let Dracina Wines help turn your moments into great memories. About history, here you can see maps of the soil in Franciacorta. One is uh, uh, the last research we did in 1997, starting in 1992, when I was the uh, president of the consortium. I should add the young president of the consortium when I was younger, so much younger than today. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one, it's interesting because it's the same map and the same research that was done one century before, almost mm -hmm. one century before, in 1908, uh, for the same reasons. They were replanting the vineyards after being destroyed by Philoxera and they were investigating the soils in order to understand what was better to plant in each part of the, of the French border. That's a, a heritage on quality, on thinking about quality, that it's quite unusual in that in viticulture. This is the French Corta pyramid as it looks now. At the top, you have the French Corta DOCG. Uh, it's the sparkling wine, we call it just Franciacorta, the words plant the sparkling is not allowed it on our labels, so you will not find it on our labels, unless that in America we have to buy it, but uh, on the official labels in Europe, it's only Franciacorta, as champagne, it's only champagne. You will never get Vermosé uh, on a label of champagne. Uh, and uh, underneath, and uh, at the second level, you have the Curta Franca DOC, that's the appellation for uh, white and uh, red wines. Uh, that can also be produced by a single vineyard, so the Superior or Reserva is produced with grapes of a single vineyard. That's why you have two levels the one with the mention of the vineyard, and finally, we have an IGPC. Uh, the grapes in Franciacorta are these four, Chardonnay Pinot Bianco that arrived in the region with monks coming from Cluny 10 centuries ago, uh, that's why Chardonnay and Pinot Bianco, remembering to you all that at that time Chardonnay and Pinot Bianco were considered only Pinot Bianco. Chardonnay was recognized as a variety only in the 80s. And, uh, the other grape we have is Pinot Noir. It was introduced in the appellation in 1967 when my father and other 10 producers created the appellation. The last grape is Herbamat. This is probably something new for you all. Uh, this is a local grape, Herbamat. It means crazy, crazy grass. <laughs> Herba is grass and matto is crazy. So uh, crazy grass, it's a grape that is uh, never getting grape, high acidity. Uh, it was abandoned because it was never getting grape. Now with the global warming, we decided to study this grape and uh, after 10 years of studies, we reintroduced it in the population in order to see if it can be an answer to the global warming. Uh, French Accorda vineyards, uh, are looking like this. We do uh, only by hand uh, the harvest. That's compulsory. I will get 
finally to this uh, image that is giving you an idea about rules, about how rules can change the perception that we have of uh, uh, each appellation and each line. Here you have a cooperation between the heel or hectare, or for acre if you prefer, it's also written by acres. No, it's, no, it's written only by acres, sorry. Uh, the percentage of uh, most that you can get by pressing the grapes, and finally the uh, number of bottles that are uh, allowed it from a single hectare uh, of uh, uh, vineyard. You can see that Franciacorta is showing the most restrictive rules uh, of uh, the most important populations of Europe for these kind of wines. Uh, the first wine we have in the... Uh, no, I will finish with another, then we go to the testing. This the aging period. Again, it's a comparison between the four appellations as previously. Uh, so you can see the comparison of uh, the migration period for non-windage, windage, and reserva. By the way, reserva doesn't exist in, uh, uh, in the Champagne rules, so that's why you have an empty column. But uh, you can see this. the first wine you have in the glass is a Franciacorta Brut. It's a blend of the four uh, grapes of uh, Franciacorta. So this is the first vintage with the four grapes in. Uh, and there it is. So you have all the four. Uh, Erbamat is just a, a very, it's just better because it was the first year of production of the vineyard. So the one percentage, just to say, is there. Uh, this is a very classic blend for us for the brut that we consider the wine for an aperitif. It has 30 months of aging on these, and it's uh, uh, for its complexity, for its structure, this can be an interesting wine to drink with the second glass after the aperitif to the table with some shellfish or. Uh, it's very versatile, it's not just an aperitif. Did you, um, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, is it Herba Mat, the grape? Like what does it contribute um, to the blend? Uh, definitely acidity. The answer is high acidity. Just to give you an idea, the last vintage, vintage of this year, uh, with uh, high dryness, uh, high temperatures, I mean, Italy was uh, in some way over Europe as well, and I think also North America, they had the same problem. I mean, the, uh, the heat was uh, unusual. We uh, harvested Herbermant uh, three and a half weeks after the other grapes, and uh, it was still at 11 grams of acidity, while the other French water were brought in at 7, 7.5. I mean, three, four points of acidity, acidity uh, higher than, than what it's uh, in any shirt to name, you know, Bianco or Pinot Nero. Uh, so it is interesting in that direction because in a blend may uh, add a little bit of acidity. It's a very difficult wine to drink alone. Uh, such an high acidity, it's uh, bringing our palate uh, to think I'm getting a, a nice lemonade <laughs> instead of a nice white wine. So at the end, uh, I will never uh, understand a, a 
wine uh, Franciacorta made 100% of Ramat. It's not allowed in but apart from that, I tasted some uh, 100% uh, bottle fermented Ramat uh, because we did some research in that direction, but they are not nice. They don't show the <laughs> They don't show the elegance that we look in a glass of Franciacorta. So uh, interesting, but it's not the solution by itself. It's anyway an interesting solution because it's a natural one. Uh, I will introduce the second wine that is the French Accorda Satin Brut. That's a vintage 2018. It's the vintage that is just getting on the market after 40 months of aging on lease. Uh, this is uh, Chardonnay 100%. Chardonnay, uh, Satin is a typology of French Accorda. So when you say satin, you think about the French Accorda with its own rules. So French Accorda has its rules, French Accorda satin has different rules, French Accorda rosé has again other rules. The four main rules for a satin are only white grapes, Chardonnay and or Pinot Bianco. Longer aging in the bottle, so at least 30 months of aging. Uh, and um, only brut dosage, so satin is always only brut. You will never find on the market a satin extra brut or a satin zero dosage or something like that. And uh, finally, lower pressure in the bubble. Uh, the bubbles, the, the CO2 is at 4.5 atmosphere instead of 5.5. What's the idea behind that? Satin word is coming from Seta, silk. So like silk, this wine is meant to be velvet and round. Think about the scarf, you touch the scarf and you feel that it's smooth, but it's also strong. The silk was used for the first parachute and if they were jumping out of a plane under a piece of silk, they were trusting it, otherwise they would not jump. Uh, so strong uh, texture of the, of the silk, if you bring these two words into, uh, into the wine, you have a wine that is round but has a very good structure. We are selling very well Chardonnay as a pen in, uh, uh, in the USA, talking about the Chardonnay bubbles, and this is giving you also an idea about uh, how we generally uh, promote it. It's a wine for food, a wine definitely for a, a fish or poultry is not the aperitif as the brood. I go quickly back to a few other, and uh, back a bit of history. That's me with my father. My father passed away in 2013, so 10 years ago. Uh, I've been working with him all my life. Uh, here you have an image of me with two of my three sons. Uh, there, these are the two that are involved in the estate. Uh, on the left is Robert, on the right is Filippo. Uh, this is actually the surface of our uh, estate, 32 hectares of vineyards, uh, 79 acres. We just produce our own grapes in our own vineyards. So we don't buy grapes and we uh, produce all our grapes uh, directly inside uh, our, uh, our vineyards. Uh, this is our wine museum. Uh, it was opened in uh, July 19, 1986. 
my father started the idea of uh, creating a museum for uh, uh, getting, catching a photo of a world that was quickly changing and was quickly disappearing. At that time, we were producing wines and grapes, of course, but at the same time, uh, grapes and wines. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we were having, uh, in the past time, we were having cattle and city wine. Now I only grow uh, vines, I only produce grapes. And this is uh, changing a lot the, the figure of the agriculture uh, of the farmers. Because once I was able to do most of what it was necessary, 360 degrees, now I'm quickly forgetting how to seed barley and wheat, unless Mr. Putin will uh, uh, ask me to go back seeding. Because then we can joke on things, but uh, the world is changing sometimes quicker than what we can expect. Uh, this is something about sustainability, but I will get our sustainability certification. I will get back to the to the wine, the third wine, because I want you to catch it when it's still uh, cold. It's our extra brew 2018. We go to a drier. Uh, Dosage, it's just at two grams. The two previous brood were at five grams of uh, residual sugar. Here you are at two grams. Uh, this is a blend 50 Pinot Noir and 50 Chardonnay, aging uh, 40 months on these. Uh, it's the French Accord that we suggest as an aperitive, of course, because of its dryness, but try it and I assume that you will agree with me saying that this is a fantastic wine also for a lot of different kind of food starting from oysters, shellfish, uh, raw fish, uh, uh, all of its uh, shrimps and uh, lobsters and so on. I can go on, but it's time for lunch now. Yes, <laughs> now go on on the, on the list otherwise you will ask for food instead of wine. <laughs> wine is here, it's more evident. But at the same time, you have the structure of the Pinot Nero that it's uh, compensating what is not there with the sugar. Yeah. Uh, producing a French Accorda uh, means that you must always look for uh, a certain uh, balance between structure between acidity and between uh, the elegance that must uh, connect the two uh, together. The brood, what's the dessert? Yes. On, on the broods, the two broods, what's the dessert? Uh, five grams. Five, five to six, depending from the vintages, but it's five, six. It's a very dry one. Remember that brood goes from zero to 12. Yeah. And in the past time, it was going from zero to 15. Now it's uh, reduced uh, also the brood instead of uh, We, uh, as I mentioned, we are certified as sustainable uh, winery since 2017. We were among the first nine estates that were certified in Italy with the standard I already mentioned in the previous presentation. Uh, our journey to, to sustainability is quite long. Just to give you an idea, in 1980, we stopped the use of any herbicide in our estate. Uh, I have to admit that this is one of the things that 
I have always been dreaming since when, much more before I was very young, I've been reading Silent Spring of Eric uh, Carson. Uh, so I'm talking about someone that was uh, definitely Californian. And uh, uh, I always uh, say we should remember that she was a scientist. She was someone researching. She was not against uh, the chemical use of uh, new products. She was just saying in a moment when no one else was talking about that, look that it can be dangerous. We have to use it in the proper way. And she was definitely right. But uh, again, for me, uh, reading that book, uh, I was 16, 17, was a great shock. Uh, well, we went on on our journey, and uh, actually, what we do, I've already shortly described it, it's a carbon footprint calculation. We are an organic estate since 2018. We produce all the electricity we need with solar panels on our uh, roofs. Uh, this is going back to 2005, so we are completely self-efficient since quite a long time. Uh, now, again, Mr. Putin and, uh, and his uh, tricks, I'm going to buy new panels and uh, the project I probably will be able to complete in a couple of months is to produce more energy in order to uh, do all the heating and uh, refreshing of the offices without buying any gas. At the moment, gas is one of the main problems in, uh, in Europe. Uh, again, you can see how the, the idea of sustainability is changing time by time. I mean, till yesterday it was less expensive to use gas. Tomorrow uh, it's another day and things have been changing very big. Uh, we investigate all our biodiversity. Uh, we have a project for the kids in schools that is Discovery uh, Vigneto, Discover the Vineyard. They are coming and they have special outdoor laboratories in the vineyards, uh, as well as in the museum, as well as in the cellar. They do also special uh, trainings uh, on tasting. Of course, I'm not giving them wine, otherwise it can be <laughs> in Italy. Uh, in Italy as well, it's not allowed it. Till 21st is much. Then to go back to 18 is normal, but that's another story. Uh, and uh, uh, anyway, uh, what they taste is uh, uh, a fresh orange juice and a commercial orange juice. They taste a world uh, fresh milk and a long lasting milk. And they have to write their notes exactly as you are doing now. Because we want them to understand that we have some senses inside our palate and we have to learn how to use them. Uh, we have been learning how to write, how to talk, how to do many, many other things. No one is teaching us since when we are kids how to use our palate. What's the age? Sorry? What's the age? Uh, from the kindergarten on. We have three levels, uh, so even kids of five, six, it's something that we can learn. I mean, uh, we never think about the, how important it would be to teach them about that, about the taste, and to teach them about properly nutrition. We can write whatever we want on the labels. The labels now are uh, a library, it's not, <laughs> it's an encyclopedia on, on a label. But if I cannot read it, 
it's, uh, there is no reason for all those, too much information and they get nothing from them because they cannot read it. Uh, employee health and safety, partnership, zero accident, all the other matters, uh, and of course the economical pillar. By the way, we have every year also new projects. This is the one we brought in this spring. Uh, we had the problem on, of uh, reusing our barrels after making wine. Uh, traditional uses are floor pots or tables for the restaurants, but, or the bars, but uh, now there is no more place for the barrels. <laughs> and so we decided to think about something different, and this was the project of reusing the barrels for building um, nests for the birds. The nests are now in our vineyards so that uh, the birds can eat the insect and we can reduce the spraying against the insect. But on the other side, the nests were built by people that it's in jail uh, in one of the programs of one of our prisons where they are learning to become a carpenter in the hope that when they will get out of the jail, they will not be anymore uh, stealing or <laughs> uh, making robbery or whatever they did before. Uh, uh, it's important because uh, these people can be recuperated and we try to help them. Of course, we pay for their, for their work so that they get some money that they will be able to spend after getting out of jail. They cannot spend it in jail. And again, uh, we are now on uh, the Curta Franca Red. The Curta Franca Red is a very uh, traditional blend of our region. Uh, we have the Carmenere, that is what the Romans are, were calling Vitis Biturica. The Roman soldiers brought Vitis Biturica, today Carmenere, to North Italy. Then they brought it also to Bordeaux. And the Vitis Biturica, today Carmenere, is the father of Merlot, Cabernet Franc, and Cabernet Sauvignon. So I always describe this wine saying that it's the whole uh, Cabernet family, the Cab family father and three sons, with a little hints of 10% of Barbera just to increase the acidity. This wine is coming from a single vineyard uh, called Vigna Santella del Grome, Vigna is vineyard. Santella is a small chapel in the fields, white grown, written with the two dots, uh, that's the German umlaut, it's not an Italian word, it's a Celtic name. So the German populations that were in North Italy before the Romans of Julius Caesar arrived there. We don't know what it means, but the name is still there to indicate that small area. And so we decided to use the name for the label because it's quite interesting uh, getting back 2,000 years uh, with a, a word, uh, a simple word of uh, four letters. It's the vintage 2015, mostly uh, barrel, uh, no, it's, uh, sorry, barrel age, 100% barrel age, uh, two years in uh, French oak, 18 to two years, depends on the from the vintages, and finally, bottle aging before getting on the market. Yes, please. How much of this is new oak? Uh, new oak is 9. On the reds, none. While on the satin, for example, there were 60 to 70 percent of uh, Chardonnay coming from barrel fermentation, and that were new oak. Finally, the last wine, it's a different story. My family 
heritage is also in Romagna. Uh, Romagna, it's Emilia Romagna, is uh, this region, north of Italy, uh, on the border with the central part of Italy. That means that means this is Toscany. That's the Adriatic Sea, Veneto, Lombardy, Liguria, here and so on. Uh, my family was uh, in the past in Florence. Uh, seven centuries ago, they uh, have been voting the, the wrong side. And uh, those that were losing the elections were sent in exile. That was the word of seven centuries ago. So they, they went in exile in, uh, on the other side of the mountain in, uh, in Romania. And finally, they arrived also in French Corpus, so from Florence to Romania, and finally to Lombardy. Uh, we still have uh, an estate over there. It's on the Apennines, uh, quite high on the mountains. In the bright days, we can see the Adriatic on the top of the estate. Uh, and uh, the, the average altitude is uh, 12 to 1300 feet, so it's quite high, long rivening season. There we go, grow uh, Sangiovese. You are now uh, tasting the single vineyard uh, Sangiovese Vigna Colmora 2017. The Vigna Colmora is the highest of the, of the estate, and this is the vintage 17. Uh, Sangiovese from uh, this uh, area is uh, a Sangiovese with uh, uh, much more run much more round compared to the Toscan ones, even if we are on the same mountain, that uh, probably the fact that we face the north instead of looking south is changing a little bit uh, the grapes. You have a lot of black cherry notes in this wine that it's uh, unusual for a Sangiovese. And of course, due to the altitude, they have good acidity and uh, long Shelf life or a long life. There you have everything else we produce, but you can find it on our website. I would like to thank you for being with us. I was required to stay into one hour. <laughs> I'm two minutes in advance uh, because we started later, so I've done my job properly, but there is time for any question if you want. So, yes, please. What is the uh, Erba Pazza? Does that have anything to do with the, like the, the Sicilian Torda Pazza, or is that just totally different? Uh... Sorry, I think you... you said something about the Erba Pazza, the, the crazy. The Erba that is in Francia Corta. Yeah. And uh, uh, we actually do not know exactly from the DNA where this grape is coming from, it's, it's heritage. What we know is that five centuries ago, it was already mentioned in a book published in, in the Arkansas. We know that Herbamant was growing in Franciacorta five centuries ago. That's, uh, in terms of history, already uh, a good information, but uh, I always uh, underline that we will have to re-study all what we know about grapes in a very short time when all the studies on uh, the DNA heritage of each grape will be finished, we will probably discover that what we call Charlie is uh, it's, uh, John, and what we call John is uh, something else, and so on. So 
be prepared about restudying or what we have been studying about viticulture in a very short time because whenever uh, the humanity has been uh, traveling around the Mediterranean area, they were always traveling with their own minds. So we will have a lot of surprises. The bigness of the how much water can that age? Water, age wise. Uh, the total aging? Yeah, age. Generally speaking, I suggest 10 years, but uh, I tested even older, but it's not an heavy wine, so you cannot expect it to be every vintage wine for getting older. But and, and the 15 is current vintage? Yes. No, it's 15, the current vintage, yes, it's right, 15. And uh, I believe that 15, for example, is one of those vintage that can age well. Your reds are very special lines of rating in colors and in terms of that. Uh, that's your hard stack. What is the rating to keep this running for modern about and cap in other hands saturation is much more intense? Well, first of all, remember that we drink, we as Italians, we drink wine while eating. Uh, we never sit in front of the, uh, of the fireplace with a glass of red. If I sit in front of a fireplace, I have in my hands a grappa or maybe a, a whiskey. But, but not, but not uh, a red wine. Red wine is for the day. Um, secondary, so the wine must be uh, able to match with our food. So this is the first part of the answer. Whenever you look at Italian wines, they are never too heavy. They can be big wines, but they are always showing some elegance and a little bit of acidity in order to be matching with food. Uh, second answer, our climate is, generally speaking, and uh, without talking about what's happening with the global warming, not the climate, for example, of California. So if I have to compare a Cabernet from California with uh, uh, an Italian Cabernet, uh, I would say that they show always more acidity and less ripeness, less alcohol, less abstraction. Um, this is also a start. Uh, when I first came to California 30, 40 years ago, I don't know, it was a long time ago, or 40 years ago, I was surprised about the fact that the Chardonnay was a heavy Chardonnay. Now if I drink some Chardonnay from California, they are showing much more elegance. So I assume that there is also a matter of what the market is requiring and how the producers are adapting. It's the last one, otherwise they will kill me. There is a radio right there. So on that some salad. Is the varietal composition always the same or does it vary? The varietal composition is the, the composition of the vineyard. So yes, but there, it might happen that in a certain year, the Cabernet Franc is producing a little bit less compared to the Cabernet Sauvignon and the Cabernet Franc or the Cabernet. So that's an indication that it's coming from the composition of the vineyard, the number of vines in the vineyard. Uh, Making wine is not pharmacy, it's uh, wine making. <laughs> there is much more art and interpretation in the wine than making of medicines. <laughs> no, 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 I just was wondering if the percentage... Of course, but this is a problem that we have, uh, sometimes we have the A, when they want to say, but this year is this the composition? 
Yes, more or less it is. I mean, uh, it's just an indication that you need. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of Exploring the Wine Glass. Thanks for listening. If you have suggestions on what topics you would like me to discuss, please reach out on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Exploring the Wine Glass. I am also on LinkedIn as Lori Hoyt Butt. Of course, you can always email me at exploringthewineglass at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter at exploringthewineglass.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find me more easily. And most importantly, tell your wine-loving friends, because if you like the podcast, they will too. Podcast music is Wine by Kevins. Until next week, slancha.